Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the programme that explores the messages and meanings of old postcards. Each time on this programme, my guests bring in postcards that for some reason they couldn't bear to throw away, and we find out exactly why they decided to hold on to them and just what those cards mean to them. I'm Tom Jackson, and my guests today are Sasha Dugdale and Samuel West. Sasha and Sam, I'm delighted that you're here. Thank you for asking us. Sasha Dugdale is a poet, a playwright, and a translator. From 1995 to 2000, she worked for the British Council in Russia, and she was until very recently the editor of Modern Poetry and Translation. Her latest collection is Joy, which contains the poem of the same name, uh, a monologue in the voice of William Blake's wife, Catherine, exploring the creative partnership between the artist and his wife. And Joy received the 2016 Forward Prize for Best Single Poem. The judges called it an extraordinarily sustained, visionary piece of writing. Sasha arrives today with a Sussex postmark. Sasha, are you still a sender of postcards? Yes, definitely. I love writing postcards and I love writing long letters and keeping correspondences going. seems like the least you can do in the face of digital technology, really. So you don't get put off by the process of having to find the card, remember the address, get the stamp... No, no, quite the opposite. I love the mechanics of it. That's something that really appeals. I like taking it to the post office. I like handing it over rather than just dropping it into a post box. It's, there's something also about the dealings in the post office with the, the post office clerk that's really magical as well. Excellent. Well, I'm, glad, I'm delighted to hear that. Samuel West is an actor and director. He starred in plays including Hamlet, Arcadia, Enron and Betrayal. In films such as Van Helsing, Notting Hill and the film of Howard's End, and he gained a new audience when he appeared as Frank Edwards in Mr. Selfridge. He was artistic director of Sheffield Theatres from 2005 to 2007, and he is the chair of the National Campaign for the Arts, campaigning for an increase in arts funding. He also spends a fair amount of time in rooms not unlike this one as an in-demand voice for television narration on the radio and for often very lengthy audiobooks. Sam, of course, comes from a family with a well-known history in acting, being the son of Timothy West and Prunella Scales. Sam arrives with a postmark from south-west London. Yep, Wandsworth. <laughs> wonderful Wandsworth, brighter borough. <laughs> Sam, when did you last send a postcard? Uh, yesterday. Did you? To Tunisia. Very good. Can we hear more? Yeah, it was the first one we've had to send as part of the post-crossing project. 
which is something I do with my daughter. And uh, I think Tunisia is uh, the 54th country we've either written to or received postcards from in two and a half years. Now, for those who don't know, and I think a lot of people are very familiar with postcrossing, how, what's the mechanics of this and what's the, what's the philosophy behind it? Um, well, it's a postcard exchange uh, project that works through a website but in- involves the true exchange of real postcards. Basically, you sign up and you give them a little profile and your address, but your address is only known to the people who write to you one at a time, so it's very safe. And you say, I want to send a postcard to somebody. And you click on a, a, a button and somebody's name comes up and it's Klaus in Innsbruck and Klaus says I really like trains so you look in your trains trains, for instance you look in your enormous collection of postcards that you (laughs) haven't yet sent to anybody and find a nice train and then you find a nice stamp and then you write to Klaus and you say hello and I write on behalf of my daughter who is only three so she's not big enough to write her own cards yet but I draw around her hand and I say (laughs) we send away from London and then you put a number on it And when Klaus gets the card, he enters the number into the website and you get a little note saying, your postcard to Klaus arrived. And then maybe you get a little note from Klaus saying, I did like that train, thank you so much. And that is the end of your relationship with Klaus. It's like... So there won't be a repeat with Klaus No, no, you just have... It's like having a pen friend, but you only have to have one postcard's worth of things to say to each other. I mean, he can write (laughs) back if he wants to, and sometimes people do. But basically then, because you've written to Klaus successfully, you get a card back from someone else in the world, but you don't know who that is. It won't be Klaus from Innsbruck. And... Instead of putting my return address, I put my daughter's address. And in two and a half years, she's had coming up for 350 cards. Wow. Uh, So she gets her own post basically twice a week. We used to put flags in a little, in in an enormous map of the world, but there are now so many that I can't (laughs) keep up. So now we just put a flag in when a new country is, is, so we put one into Tunisia this week. It's an open-hearted thing, isn't it? It's very good. Yeah, agreed. That's a very good description. Well, you've—I can see that you've. I mean, I know you're a postcard collector, Sam, and you've also you're, you're weaving postcards into your family's life, which is fascinating. Sasha, I have this theory that postcards actually touch all of us more than perhaps we realise. Actually, I know in the room today we're all converts, but Sasha, is there some connection between the precision, the selection of words that a poet has to make? And postcards, which obviously have a limited space to write your message. Can you see a parallel there or am I uh, imagining it? I think that there's something about the size of a postcard and the reduction that you have to make when you're writing a postcard that makes you go for the absolute essential. And quite often, you know, you read a postcard and it's, it's all pretty meaningless, but sometimes there's something about the amount of space you've got which makes you write exactly what you think or feel or something entirely whimsical that somehow maybe subconsciously expresses something that you couldn't have got to if you'd written a letter or if you'd talked to someone for three hours. So there is something that's similar to poetry in that respect and it's, it's, a, it's a formal quality, I think. But then the other, I suppose the downside of that is if, um, as a poet, you weigh your words do you sit staring at the blank postcard <laughs> concerned that this has to... You can't use a cliché. So how do you, do you feel a bit of a pressure? The best poetry that I've written has come utterly unbidden. It hasn't come because I've sat there looking at a page. It's come because it's wanted to come. And sometimes it comes because there's a space for it. And a postcard is a space. So it, it's a, And it is a chink in your life. So there's, yes, I mean, there's something about that, the freedom just to, just that small space. It's like a game almost. And games are fantastically good ways to express yourself. Well, before we inspect 
the cards that my guests have very kindly brought along, I'm going to kick things off with a couple of cards that I've got in the postcard from the past style. The first is a card of Malmesbury Abbey in Wiltshire, a ruin, I think, really. Um, a nice old card, actually, from 1967. Three wonderful old, uh, blue stamps there, penny each. And it's the message reads, We had four bull calves shot yesterday. <laughs> we caught four rats. One yesterday, five today. The dog killed them all on the farm. There's a sort of exquisite contrast between the flat religiosity of the card <laughs> and the violence of the message. I, and miscounting the rats. It doesn't. Yeah, the numbers don't make sense. Not at all. And, you know, if it was a conversation, you'd go back and say, but that doesn't add... Just, they're gone. They can't talk to them. <laughs> Who are they? No, no idea. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, rat killing. I've never sent a card with rat killing, but, you know... I used to keep rats. I'm very sad. I've had five rats in my life, but I certainly wouldn't want the dog going after them. No, one after the other. Dear, it's dear. A, 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 Yeah, dreadful, dreadful. The shooting of the calves is obviously newsworthy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess if you're a... a, a it's better not to ask. Better not to ask. Anyway, that was sent by someone called Mel. And it's such a lovely message. Six kisses at the end. You know, one for each rat and then one for luck. There's a whole novel in that postcard, isn't there? It's just... You can write it. <laughs> now, this one... Yes, OK, this is uh, from... I don't know the date because the postmark is obscured, as they so often are. And this one... Someone's on a tour. They're on some kind of tour holiday, some package tour. Our courier is semi-conscious, doesn't know where we are going. <laughs> Nightmare. You know, yeah. Did, I don't know if they've ever returned. Yeah. Uh, Sasha and Sam, you've both been kind enough to come along with cards of your own. And um, I just want to make sure that our listeners know images of all the cards we discuss are on the blog on the website, so you'll be able to see, and you can play along at home. Um, let's start with you, Sasha. Tell me about the first card you brought along. I brought along a card from Chernovtsi in Ukraine and I've brought this card along because it's it's a card that I got when I went there and I was I was a teenager at the time it was the early 90s and I was in love with the poetry of Paul Celan um and Paul Celan was actually born in Chernovtsi it's also known as Chernovitz it's a town that's existed in many different empires it was in the Austro-Hungarian empire when Paul Celan was born and then it became part of the Soviet Union. It was then part of Ukraine. So it's sort of been moved around. I think it might have been in Romania at one point as well. I'm not sure. The borders exist on either side of the town. The names of the streets changed every five minutes during the early 20th century. It's a fascinating place because it has that extraordinary Austro-Hungarian architecture, which is incredibly grand. It has an opera house on the main square, and it really is in the middle of nowhere. It's not that far now from the Romanian border. In fact, that's how I got there. I went to Bucharest, and then I got a train across to Chernovtsi. I went there really on a whim, because I loved Ceylon's poetry, and I thought I would go and find out some more about where he came from. But when I arrived, I found out that there was a Jewish house on the main square, just um, opposite the opera house, and the 
Jewish house had on the ground floor as sort of travel agents for people who wanted to emigrate to Israel. And on the top floor, it had a group of very elderly people who all still spoke Yiddish and were documenting the history of their town and the literature of their town. And they really welcomed me with open arms and they took me on tours around Chernovtsi. They showed me things. They showed me where Palsalam went to school, where his house was. It was an entirely memorable few days. And this card was... You, you got, they gave you this card at the house? or They gave me this card, and on the back, in Russian, they've written all of their, their phone numbers and postcodes and addresses so that I could get back in touch with them if I ever wanted to. There was a really amazing contrast, because up in this garret room at the top, they were typing up documentary evidence on old typewriters, mm. and down on the ground floor, it was incredibly... Um, technological, there were proper computers and lots of pictures of Israel, and that the contrast was really stark, the sort of future of the Jewish population of that part of Ukraine and the past. And the past, of course, is a really tragic past. The top of the building used to have Stars of David on it, I believe, but they were all sawn off when it was occupied by the Nazis. And, of course, the population there was, was decimated. And we know from Parcelan's own fate that the population suffered and most of them, I think, were probably killed. So it's, it's, a, it's a strange place. It has lots of odd and uncomfortable memories. But I remember mostly how warm-hearted they were in welcoming me. And there was a, a younger person there who was working with them who showed me around the town and really... They just um, kind of encompassed me with love. They told me about one of Paul Celan's cousins, another poet called Salma Mirbam Eisinger, who I don't think is well-known at all. I don't even think her work is published in English, um, who also perished in um, death camps. And so that was all just, just extraordinary. I went from there to Moscow on a night train, and it seemed to disappear into the past as I left it. So I can certainly see why you've kept that card. Where do you keep it? Where, did, where, where, where is it in your house? I keep it, well, I keep all my correspondence. It's exploding out of filing cabinets all over the place. And I keep that in a, in a folder, especially for those early trips that I made around the, uh, at that point, disintegrating Soviet Union, post-Soviet Union. But your card captures a particular moment, by the looks of it, um, in, in the history of that part of the world and the history of Europe. Yes, it's a it's a cheap card, it's on cheap paper, it's a typical Soviet card. But what's interesting about it is that printed across the front it says in Ukrainian and in Yiddish and I think also in Hebrew and in English, Jewish house. Um, and that's pretty extraordinary to have those four languages. It doesn't have the German, which Parzilan spoke, and it doesn't have Russian, which is also interesting. It's mm. a post-Soviet Ukrainian postcard. So it's a, just in its own way, it's a sort of piece of history. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that with us. It's, it's a powerful, resonant uh, piece of cardboard, all those meanings <laughs> sitting there. So, Sam, what's the first delivery you have for us? This is a card of Chingford High Beach, and it's from 1905, so uh, only a few years after it became legal to write on the back of postcards. It's got a one-penny Edward VII stamp, red stamp on it. And it was written to Observatory in Cape Town, where I was doing a rather terrible film at the time, which is why I've got it. I must have bought it in a Cape Town junk shop. Still only a penny to send a card from London, which is the first postmark to, to Observatory in Cape Town. We have been having a good time. I have had a taste of the blue hag. Becky. Wow. 
it, what I, we does thought that it mean? Said, well, exactly. We thought it might say bag, but I'm pretty sure it does say hag. Even if it says bag, I mean, what does it mean? Taste of the, the blue, blue hag. Of course, it's the blue hag of Chingford. The blue hag of Chingford, <laughs> who lives under the high beach. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, because it's going to South Africa. So it's in Chingford we've had yeah. the blue hag. Yeah, the blue hag is there and probably under the high beach. Is it, sli- is it, is it afraid? Does it mean I've had flu? Does it mean I've had some nefarious disease? Perhaps somebody from Chingford could let us know. Yes. <laughs> it's probably still very popular in Chingford. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sasha, I think it's time for your second card. What have you brought along? I brought along a very arty postcard. Um, a picture from the Rouen Art Gallery, and it's called Les Enervés de Jumierge, and it's by Everest Vital Luminez. I think that must be a code name. I don't think that can be a real name for a painter. It's just too extraordinary, with vital and luminous in it. <laughs> ah, yes. So... Everest Vital Luminez. But it's, the card itself so is luminous, say. but is it vital? These, these <laughs> characters are in a terrible state. This is a card which I, um, I... I saw this picture in the Rouen Art Gallery when we were, kind, we were just travelling through with my family, and I said... I saw... I looked at the, the picture for ages. That really drew me in. And when I heard that it was a postcard of Jumiège, which is close by, I insisted that everybody drove out to Jumiège, which was really difficult, as we were supposed to be going the other way to get the ferry home. And we went out to this abbey, ruined abbey, and it's just by where the the Seine loops itself round and round and round, the boucle of the Seine. And um, at this abbey, there's a really tiny grave, a double tomb, um, and nobody really knows who it belonged to. So there's this apocryphal story, which I presume must have sort of built up over the ages and the centuries, of two princes who rebelled against their father and were sentenced to be enervated. And What does that mean? I only know enervated, meaning 
exhausted or, or, or losing your sensibility. But what, what does it mean as a punishment? I don't really know, and I didn't know then. I just had all these imaginings, and I thought perhaps it meant that you had your nerves taken out of you, so My you ended goodness. up without feeling. I mean, it's impossible, and I'm not actually sure what it entailed, this medieval punishment, but apparently these princes underwent this, this punishment and were then set to float down the Seine on a bark, and that's the scene that's captured in the photograph of the on, in the postcard. It and looks like a huge double bed made out of um, packing pallets mm. set set adrift on the on the water. Exactly what it looks like. And it, it's it's extraordinary because it has these two pre-Raphaelite, almost corpse-like um, youths with their feet bound up, and then at the the foot there's a sort of arrangement which looks like sort of plastic roses round a shrine with a candle. So it's it's really uncanny the whole image. What's, what's the date of this image? The painter's dates are eighteen twenty two to eighteen ninety six. So I guess okay. it's roughly a sort of pre-Raphaelite mm. period painting, and it's certainly got a lot in common with the the pre-Raphaelites. If the you replace of... the little shrine at the foot of the bed with a, a, a bottle of wine, they could be in bed watching videos, <laughs> <laughs> just relaxing. <laughs> Teenage, just yeah. a Netflix moment. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> Netflix and chill. I'm a bit enervated. Just uh, stick Netflix on. They, they, they don't look like they're having a terrible time. <laughs> That's what's so uncanny about the whole myth. The whole thing is strange and suspended. I mean, there's hideous violence in it, but it's also somehow serene. And oh. and it's all set against this sort of rather magical light. Yes. It looks like the light before a storm or the mm. light after a storm. Mm. Now you, you were telling me about this earlier, you, you took this as an inspiration for some work. I wrote a long poem based on this picture and um, the poem started and ended as a fragment because I couldn't finish it off. And I think the reason I couldn't finish it was it was about life without feeling and eventually it just tailed out. And I suspect that's because life itself would just tail out if it was without feeling. Because it goes nowhere. And it was a very sort of anti-Keatsian poem, so it had a lot of Keats references in it. Could we, could we have a little fragment of that that would illuminate? So this is the little bit after the innovation has taken place. I, I skimmed over that slightly, not really being... So it's a narrative, you're telling us what happened? Yes, okay. that's right, yes. And it's a monologue, so it's in the voice of one of the brothers. Live, it makes no sense. Living is the worst torment. Our bark was simple as a grave. We lay upon it, dressed and bound like newborns in a morgue. Neither and both. It was our first and last day, and on either side of us stretched the same void that went before and behind. We were nothing ourselves, all the quickness gone. We were stones, sexless, faithful, arms folded upon our breasts like knights slain, two guttering candles at our feet to light us to our end. Wow. That, yeah, it, that is bleak. That's a bleak prospect. That's a, that's a death, really, isn't it? Yes, and I think that's the reason why it's sort of... I mean, it, it's a long poem, but eventually it stopped because I think it's just heartbreaking to keep writing on and on from a point where there's no feeling. Beautifully put, though. Beautiful. Very good. Thank you for sharing that with us. It might be time for a change of tone. <laughs> 
I wonder if Sam's got another card for us. I have. I'm squeezing this one in. This is the the tip of an iceberg of mystery. And before it, you think that I'm <laughs> iceberg, being... I think you did the talking book of that the other day. I did. Didn't you? Iceberg I did. of mystery. Yes, <laughs> available in all good. Um, before you think that I'm being stalked, uh, this I think is from a friend. But the picture on the front is of George Michaita. I'm afraid my Romanian is not up to scratch, but that's what it says. Who uh, who sings at uh, club cafe Jos Palaria in Bucharest? The second time we've um, did we mention Bucharest earlier? Yes, yes, we did. Okay, the second time we've mentioned Bucharest today, and it says, "You know, like my head, <laughs> it here bested." <laughs> and there's a picture of, of an, uh, an arrow. But this is to Sem, Sem, S-E-M, Sem West, with my address in London, uh, England's. <laughs> it's got a French stamp on it. Uh, now, this is one of about 15 postcards uh, of George that I've got over the years, none of which <laughs> I've ever been able to respond to. And because I've never been to Bucharest, I haven't managed to go and see George sing. But I suspect what's happened is that an actor friend of mine has done a, a low-budget film in Bucharest where a lot of low-budget films are shot, has grabbed a lot of these free postcards and has sent them to me over the years. This is a particular favourite of mine because it's um, it's a wonderfully boring postcard. I mean, it's it's a piece of advertising that, you know, I would never send to anybody, except now I know George extremely well because for several years he would uh, arrive in, in in my letterbox from this person. But I, I've never been able to guess who it is. I suspect it's somebody I played poker with uh, in the 1990s because I had a regular poker school at my house because they know my address. But they don't always arrive from France. So uh, they obviously had a, uh, a stack of them. That requires a bit of planning. So this mystery person, having grabbed the cards in Bucharest some years ago, yep. goes on holiday to France, yep. slips into their suitcase the card ready to send you. I think there's a much simpler explanation for this. I think they're from George. Well, George has taken a shine to you. Well, I hope You're so. You're very well known, Jacob. <laughs> Sometimes these things happen. I have to tell you about a, a postcard campaign that I have on behalf of one of my godsons. When he was born, I was on holiday with a girlfriend uh, in France, and we discussed what I should get him. And it turned out that his uh, birthstone was an amethyst, so I thought, well, I'll buy him some amethysts. And then I thought, maybe he'll lose them or eat them or something. So I had a much better idea, which was that I pretended that I bought some amethysts and that they'd been stolen. Ah. And that I was on the trail of the jewel thieves. Beautiful. And now I write him postcards from everywhere I am and find some reason for where I am to be part of the trail. So uh, they've now got a name. They're called the Sinister Icy Black Finger of Death Society. <laughs> um, an address behind you. Uh, and so when I'm, uh, for instance, I was in Land's End, so I sent him a card from Land's End saying, I'm, I'm getting bored with this piecemeal searching for the amethyst. I've decided to do the whole of England from left to right. <laughs> so I'm starting here. And then I went to a village called Or, A with a uh, circle around it in Norway. And I said, I'm doing the entire world in alphabetical order. <laughs> so basically, he's got about 40 of these things now, um, 30 of which arrived when he couldn't read. <laughs> but they're in a, they're in a book. And uh, again, just another way of postcards sort of, uh, you know, sparking my imagination. He's, he's about 13 now. When he's 18, I'll probably have to get him some amethysts. <laughs> but so you, you really have woven these webs of fictions around postcards. I suspect George may have inspired me to that, actually, because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a great mystery. I, yes, I love, I love them. I, I occasionally used to take, as a touring actor, packs with pre-stamped cards on. 
Um, Very sensible. I, I once heard, you may have heard this, that um, there was a Q magazine article about riders, uh, bands riders in, in um, rock and roll. And um, Coldplay have the best rider I'd ever heard, which is that as part of their post-show thing, along with the food and the alcohol, they ask for four stamped local postcard views that they can just go, hello, we're here, and run away. And That's brilliant. It's wonderful, That's brilliant. isn't it? It's so simple. And I think that somebody at each venue must go, oh, I'm buying postcards for Coldplay. That's a nice thing. I'm going to try and buy some nice postcards. Yeah, and, and easier than going to find the the, the blue M&Ms or whatever it is they don't want. Precisely. And and so, you know, they keep in touch with their, their families or their friends or their lovers or whoever. And uh, and they have they don't have to worry about going out and seeing Cleveland or wherever. If they don't have a chance to, they just pop a postcard in the post. That is very civilized. That, that is very. I wonder if perhaps hotels should offer this as a service. You get to the hotel. There's a basic card sitting there with an international Europe stamp, mm-hmm. ready to go. You try buying stamps at hotels now. They look at you like they don't even know the word. Yes, yes, and it's very. Yeah, it could be. I've had the stories I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a brilliant idea with Coldplay. And, I mean, it's not very rock and roll, but it's very civilized. It's kind of them, though. It's it's idiosyncratic. That's a very. Good we are idea. talking about them, so it works. Keep in touch. I think it's a lovely idea. Uh, well, yes. Th- thank you very much. Thank you, George. <laughs> Thanks, thank George. you, George. I think George is George is uh, he's um, his presence looms over this room. It's George quite is a, a novel in the making. Actually, he's your Romanian relative who's going to come in. Land on your doorstep with a with that with hat, as long as he brings hat his hat and but, a gun. Not like my hat. <laughs> okay, this, what? <laughs> but this is only going one way. You're going to have to go to Bucharest yeah, and find it's it. A, it's a showdown, isn't it? Now, before we go our separate ways, I've got one last card to show you both. Have a look at this one. Spectrum. Oh, I say. Oh, that's rather good. You put that on your uh, gramophone, do you? Or is that what you do? Do you play it? It's a playable postcard. It's a, a hole musical in the postcard. Venezia. A Venice, a Venice, Venice musical postcard. Would you the like to singing hear it? postcard. Use it as a normal record, 78 RPM. Use it as a normal record. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, don't put it in the post or anything. <laughs> Do you have a recording of it? Let's see if we can make it play. Well, David's been keeping an eye on all our levels and our microphones, so perhaps you can turn the old technology into new. Are you taken to Venice yet? Oh, I am. <laughs> Down the Grand Canal. Screaming Venice to me, this is amazing. <laughs> what a beautiful sound. Nothing could be more romantic than a musical postcard. And as the music plays and the ghosts of Venice drift away, that's it for this time on Podcast from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Sasha Dugdale and Samuel West. Thank you both. Thank you. And thank you at home for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me, at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.